0: First Chronicles chapter 29. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. We have an interesting uh, thing we're going to do here, a little different. The, while you're turning there, let me just tell you this. Uh, just so you're up to speed on kind of some of the things that God does through the minister of Woodland Hills Church, uh, there was two people in our congregation who work with uh, computers and video games and things like that. And, uh, they created this video game called uh, War in Heaven. And it's a real cool video game. Uh, good graphics, and it teaches principles of spiritual warfare to kids while it's entertaining them. Um, and it's, it's, it's gotten out there. I mean, I, it's being sold in all the secular uh, markets. I see it advertised all over the place. It's, going, it's national now. Well, uh, uh, Theodore Beale and Andrew Lumstead who created this game, um, who go to the church here, they, on their website, say that the inspiration of it came from the messages on warfare here, and they give some biographical information about me. and now, some media. So the secular media has really found this intriguing. Um, and we are. Get, I'm getting calls from all over the place um, from people who want to know about the spiritual warfare stuff. Uh, it, it, it's really cool. And, and here's what I'm talking about. Um, uh, New York Times did an interview for them. Boston Globe. Uh, this next weekend, it's going to be on National Public Radio uh, for this weekend edition, uh, something like that. There, this Lynn, whatever her name is, uh, for National Public Radio calls me up and and, and we do you know, for the first question is, so what's with this sports, spiritual warfare stuff? Uh, this guy from New York Times, I love this, he calls me up, and he, and he says, uh, now you, you're the pastor of the church that these two men go to, right? And he and said, yeah. He goes, now I understand that you have a, a PhD. And I said, yeah. He goes, from Princeton. And I go, yeah. He goes, and you believe in demons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is one of the categories. Um, but you guys, you see what a wonderful opportunity this is? I mean, you just sow seeds out there and, and in a venue... Uh, that you otherwise wouldn't be open. So God's opening doors, and we want to give Him the praise for it. Amen. It's good. That's good. And for those of you who have uh, teenage uh, teenagers who like video games, you might want to check it out. It's at Northwestern, but it's also in a lot of other uh, places. Uh, we're in heaven. Okay. Now, here's the deal. Uh, this was our Pledge Sunday. We, um, this is the time where we're going to pool our resources and see whether or not we're able to... Or see what happens with this uh, Kmart building site. We're looking for a permanent home, moving in the Spirit. Um, n- just a word about that. A- at the end of this service, we'll be taking up those pledges. And so if you need to make those out now, do so, because we're just going to, at the end, celebrate the Lord and, and pass the bucket. Um, but I, I was wondering, how do you do a service like this? I, you know, they didn't teach me this in seminary. Um, uh, how do you do a you know, pledge Sunday service? So, not having any educated way of doing it, I thought we'd go to the Bible, and there's a fundraising pledge time in the Bible in First Chronicles chapter 29. Here, David is, is calling on the people to uh, you know, build this uh, temple to the Lord, Solomon's temple. Um, and what I want to do this morning is simply do First Chronicles 29. Let's just, let's just read through it, and, and let's just do it. Then King David said to the whole assembly, verse 1 here, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because his, this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. We're not going to have a palatial structure. We just want a structure. With all my resources, David says, I've provided for the temple uh, of my God. Gold for the gold work, Silver for the silver. Bronze for the bronze. Iron for the iron. Wood for the wood. As well as ox for the setting. Is that ox? O- onyx? Turquoise stones, you can tell I really operate with these jewels a lot. Uh, Turquoise uh, stones of various colors and all kinds of fine stone and marble. All these in large quantities. Okay, So David's saying, boom, I'm getting behind this thing. I want you to know that I'm in on this. Here's what I'm donating to this temple. And he says, besides in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything uh, that I have provided. And then he lists the amount that is there. It says, now, who else is willing, in verse 4, who else is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord? Uh, David is saying, you know, one way to consecrate yourself to the Lord is to get behind this building of the temple and you've seen what I've done and now who else wants to jump on this? Then it goes to the leaders, the other leaders of Israel. This is God's principle of a leadership. Leaders have to set the example and the people then are uh, moved on to follow. Then the leaders of the family, verse 8, Uh, Verse 6, Then the leaders of the families and the officers of the tribes, the commanders of the thousands and commanders of the hundreds and the officials in in charge of the kings were gave willingly. They gave toward the work uh, on the temple of God, and then it lists how many things and money and stuff that they gave. Then it says that the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly. Um, I like the way that this text emphasizes the freedom that was involved here, the willingness that was involved here. Uh, the, the, the principle that you, you, you get here is that um, while most people have... I really do enjoy those Santa hats over there, by the way. They're very, very cute. Uh, there you go. Um, I just noticed those. Um, the, the the principle that you get here is that uh, while everyone has a right to privacy, leaders have less of a right than others uh, because they have to set an example. And... Um, and that example is a way of saying that the leadership is behind something, uh, that they're on board with it, and you never ask people to do something that, that you yourself are not willing to do. Um, and so you need to be upfront with that. So in accordance with First Chronicles 29, I, I want to kind of tell you a little bit about what the leadership has, has done here. David is singled out, and then the other leaders are kind of uh, spoken of as a group what they gave. So I need to be, I, I'm going to single myself out and then tell what the group as a whole gave. Uh, the, my wife and I, and I'm just saying this I, in the pattern of First Chronicles 29, uh, have uh, worked it out so that we're, we're going to pledge $10,000 to this building fund by March 1st. Um, and the other leaders of the church have gotten behind this, uh, the, the people who are involved in the building committee, uh, the pastors and all of them together, and uh, they have pledged $72,000 for the building of, the, of this committee. Praise God and the people rejoice. Amen. The point, you know, it's, it's not quite up to where David was, okay? You know, it's not quite there. But, but the point is that it's not about the money, it's about the heart. And you need to know that the heart of the leadership is behind this. Uh, whether, whether we actually get the Kmart building or not, we're behind this, I, this conviction that we need a permanent location. And so, it, it, so that needs to be said. Then it says that the people, looking at verse 9, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders that they'd given freely. And David the king also rejoiced. Um, there was joy in the giving, and that's a crucial thing. There's something intrinsically beautiful about pe- seeing people get freed from the grip of money. There's something intrinsically pe- beautiful about seeing people who are acting out of the image of God, because God is a giving God, and he created us not to live our lives sucking life and th- off of things around us, but to be in a giving mode, and it's expressed most beautifully in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the self-sacrificial nature of God And we are made in His image And there's something intrinsically beautiful about it Which causes people to rejoice And causes God to rejoice There is something equally ugly As beautiful as, as, beautiful as it can be it, it can be that ugly When it's not done willingly When it's not done freely When it's not done joyfully when, when giving is a matter of manipulation And shame And tricks and gimmicks And things of that sort It is grotesquely ugly and there's nothing to rejoice about there. But when it is done between a person and God, and it's done freely and it's done out of an inner abundance, not because of any external pressure, but because of God's work in your life, there's something beautiful about it. One of the things that, I, you know, we're going to have some testimonies up here a little bit later on, but I want to give a little testimony right now. One of the things that the Lord has done in my life through this whole building uh, pro- committee process, this building program, um, is He's shown me the beauty of this. I, three months ago, will tell you that I was not looking forward to this at all. Uh, I had not in my stomach. I was not enjoying the ministry at all. I wasn't looking forward to this. I believed it had to be done. I believed it was supposed to be done, but it wasn't a joyful thing to me. It was a supposed to thing, and I wasn't feeling good about it at all. Those of who have been around Woodland Hills for very long know that I don't very often talk on money. Uh, in fact, uh, in the history of Wilton Hills Church, I've had two sermon series on financial giving, and one of them was, uh, was last week. Uh, this isn't a, a, a common topic, and part of that's because I believe churches often talk too much about money, and people get sick of it, and a lot of you come from backgrounds where that was kind of a manipulation device, and so I'm sensitive to that. But there was more going on in my head about this issue that was causing the knots in my stomach than that, than a godly pastoral concern. And God used this whole process the last three months to free me from something that was really big. Um... I had, in my mind, I didn't even know I really had this, but I had some uh, things in my mind, some lies about money, that I think got rooted there, some strongholds that got rooted there at a very young age, and I wasn't even aware of them. I had a presupposition uh, that I didn't know was there, that money was intrinsically evil, and it was dirty, and it was yicky, and you shouldn't talk about it. I'm not sure all of where I got that, but some of it probably has to do with the fact that I was raised by a stepmother who was had a lot of weird issues with money. Um, She was as tight as a person could possibly be. She had been through the Depression and and, uh, did funny things to her mind. Um, When she gave a gift, she made you feel really guilty for it. And if you asked for a gift, Christmas time, we didn't have Christmas lists because you really got beat up for having one of those. How dare you want something? Um, And so I tagged the the very idea of asking for money in any context as being something that was bad. Money was bad. Uh, She was just, my father one time quit smoking. Uh, he quit smoking a lot of times, but one of the times he quit smoking, to help motivate him, he put all the money that he normally spent on cigarettes, four packs a day, he, he took that and put it into a boat fund. Um, it's the only way he figured he could, you know, trick his wife into letting him buy a boat. And he wanted a boat real bad. And so he, he, he earned the right to buy this boat by quitting smoking for a year and then bought a boat. If you quit smoking for a year, you have enough money to buy a boat. Think about that, smokers. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's expensive. Okay, We go out on the boat. He finally buys the boat. It's a little boat. It's a used boat, you know, but we put a whole family inside of this four-person boat. We've got about eight people there riding along, you know, and and having a good family time. But my mother, my stepmother, was so miserable. I mean, she made all of us feel miserable for him. How dare we have a boat, and how dare we have fun with a boat? Um, That's the kind of mentality that was around there. She was so tight. (laughs) Sounds like a joke coming up here. Rodney Dangerfield. My mom was so tight, let me tell you. I got to respect. She was so tight. I'm telling you the truth. You won't believe I'm telling you the truth, but I'm telling you the truth. She rationed how much toilet paper we could use with each bowel movement. You were allowed four slices. I'm serious. You know, hey, back in my day, we didn't have toilet paper. I mean, what are you, smile here? And so, uh, anyways, that does funny things in your brain. So whenever I would think about, you know, money issues I had, this, you know, it's kind of a, a... a neuronet net, as we would say in TNT, uh, that, that, just, that, that was the meaning of it for me. What God did to this whole process, and I'm not going to go into uh, all, how he did, did it all, but he just freed me from that. Mainly by saying, you know, Greg, first of all, money isn't intrinsically evil. The love of it is intrinsically evil. And by sharing needs with people, you give them the opportunity to get freed from that. And it's not about you. It's about me, the Lord is saying. Uh, and so you're not asking for anything. You're asking for me. You're just my spokesperson. And it's not your job to raise it. That was a big one. This isn't your job. Your job is to let out the need there, put out the vision there, and then let me work in people's hearts. And so I've got, I, know, I don't know if you noticed it, but for the last month or two, I've been kind of bold about this. And it really has been feeling kind of good. I listen to myself it's like, whoa, that's kind of, you know, you're out there. So praise God He sets you free. Amen? All right. It's beautiful. I'm seeing the beauty of God giving people the chance to uh, contribute to something that lasts forever because most of the stuff you give to doesn't. Then David, after the people rejoice, he, he says a prayer and what he basically does is this. He reminds the people of who God is. Praise you, O Lord, the God of the Father of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. What David's doing here is saying this. in the middle of his, of, In the middle of his fundraising, he wants to remind people that this isn't about a building at all. It's not about a building. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ, though Solomon didn't know that at that point. But it was about God. Yours, O Lord, he says in verse 11, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. He just does a little catechism about who God is. And what he says there, and I want to do this because we're doing First Chronicles 29, I want to remind us about who God is. This isn't about a building. It's about God. And God is, he says, great, and God is glorious, and God is everlasting. And we need to just remind, re- remember that. God is great. He's the creator of all. He's the ruler of all. And all that we have and all that exists comes from him. Every molecule in existence, every star that's created, it all comes from Him. All of our life, every second of our life, every aspect of our life is a gift from Him. The breath you just breathed came from Him. Do you know that? It's a gift. Oh, He just gave you another one, didn't He? You know? Ah, there He goes. Another gift. It's a gift. And, and, and the thought processes that you have couldn't be there unless God was holding you into existence. The, 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 the place that you live, uh, the family that you have, the wife, the kids, that's all a gift. The bank account you have is all a gift. The eyes that you have, it's a gift. The ears is a gift. The mouth is a gift. It's all a gift. And God is to be praised and God is to be thanked. Amen? It's about Him, you guys. It's not about a building. God is good. Praise God. And he's glorious. He's glorious. His love is radiant. It is as magnificent as His power is. He's loved us, the Bible says, with an everlasting love. This is what it's about. He's pursued us throughout history and He's pursued us individually. And even when we try to push Him away, He keeps on pursuing us, doesn't He? And even when we give Him all the reason in the world to reject us, He keeps on pursuing us. And then He dies for us on the cross of Calvary. And if that wasn't enough, He comes and takes His residence inside of us. He's a radiant God. He's a glorious God. He's a great God. And He's an eternal God, David says. For he lasts forever and ever. Always has been, always will be. And of His kingdom, there will be no end. Praise God. What's going on right now is we're in the middle of a war zone and God's laying the foundation for that eternal kingdom and He's using us to do it what you need to know is, here's what it's about, is that when that kingdom comes, when that kingdom is finally, is finally set up here on the earth, it will never ever end because God is forever and He's given to us the opportunity to live and reign with Him forever and ever. And that, my friends, is what this is all about. That's what it's all about from beginning to end. To just glorify God and to give others a chance to come into the knowledge, the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then David, after having led them in this prayer, all that we have comes from him. In fact, he says in here in the next verse uh, that it's um, uh, who are we that we should be able to give this generously because everything comes from you and we're just giving you back what belongs to you. It's an opportunity. It's a privilege to glorify God by what we give, by how we live, and by our words. Later on, he tells the whole congregation, praise the Lord. Praise praise the Lord. And so what I want to do now for the next 20 minutes or so is that we're going to have a couple uh, people here who have uh, agreed to give their testimony. God does incredible things. Uh, But we rarely uh, get, I rarely know about it unless someone goes out of the way to tell me. Um, And so we don't glorify God enough in our midst. The Bible says that the Lord is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We need to be saying it. This is called glorifying God. It's called giving a testimony. Um, And you know that when God does something in your life, whether it's big or whether it's small, you have an obligation to tell people about it. He does it for your sake, but He does it also for His name's sake. And so you need to share. That's what builds faith. That's what gives glory to God. And so uh, I've got some testimonies that I'm going to read. We've got some testimonies here, some short testimonies. that uh, uh, We've got a bunch of preachers here, I'll tell you. Uh, But uh, that that God's done some things in their life. Now just know this. It's good for us to do this, but it's a little strange because we don't do this very often. And so people may say things that you're not really sure about or whatever. You know, just forget about it. Uh, Focus on Jesus Christ and just enjoy the person's own experience. Experience of what God's done for them. Praise God! So, who would like to be first here? We've got a. Where's our microphone? Right where? Oh, here. All right. Oh, this microphone. All right. Make sure you give your name and then uh, share what the Lord's done in your life, and then I'll sprinkle in a couple of readings here as we go along.
1: I'm Lynn Suter, and two years ago, I decided that I didn't want to be a lukewarm Christian anymore, and so I decided to jump into this with both feet and see what happened. And the Lord has, he blows me away every day with his how steadfast he is and just his grace. He just I'm just so overwhelmed every day by him. And so I'll share one short, small miracle that he did in my life this year. My dad and I have always had a very difficult relationship when it's a relationship that I've always had to hold at arm's length in order to survive. And um, quite a while ago, Greg gave a message on forgiveness. And so I had been praying about whether there was any unforgiveness that I still had towards my dad and praying for that whatever stronghold that I still had for that to be gone. And I felt like it must be working because I had managed a couple of phone conversations with my dad where I walked away from the phone conversation thinking, well, gosh, that wasn't so bad, and I actually sort of enjoyed talking to him. Then this past May, um, I, we shared the same birthday, and he called to wish me happy birthday. And in, during the course of the conversation, I told him that my husband had asked me for a divorce, and my husband lives in Washington, D.C. And my dad's reaction, which was so incredibly typical of him, he said, well, what happened? Did he find something better out there? Which I think is just a really crappy thing to say to your daughter. But um, I just blew it off because it's just the way he is, and, you know, nothing I can do about it. When I went to hang up, I said goodbye, and as I was hanging up the phone, the words, I love you, fell out of my mouth. And when I tell you they fell out of my mouth, I'm not kidding. I was so dumbfounded that I stood there with the phone, and I just looked at it, and I could not believe that I had said that. I mean, I knew that I, knew that I had not said that. God had said those words for me. And I burst out laughing because I knew that I had not done that, that God, in his infinite mercy, had said those words for me. And what blows me away about that is that my dad died unexpectedly on Labor Day. And those were the very last words that I ever said to him.
0: Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Uh, Let me read to you a short testimony that was written in by Ann. Um, She was a woman who was, she described herself as being in a deep rut. Uh, emotionally and spiritually. Um, Through some classes at Woodland Hills Church and talking to one of the pastors, she said she began to really discover her gifts. She began to, she had suffered from extreme, uh, extremely low self-worth and developed a a confidence in herself that God had a special purpose for her, that she could actually be used in ministry uh, and that God wanted to use her in that. She felt led to go back to school and finish up her college education, which she hadn't done, but she didn't have any money. And uh, so she just put it before God. She felt led to go back to school, but just said, Lord, will you provide the means? And the result of the whole thing was that uh, she's now back in college, and 75% of her tuition has been money that's been given to her.
2: So praise God for that.
3: Good morning. My name is Laura Sundman, and uh, I started coming to work with this house about a year ago. And I like to most about the house is that they can to be real. And I have found a little real life with God. I'm working at uh, the 90s started out kind of difficult for me. It's been a tough decade and can't wait to get over it. But um, it started out with a friend of mine being raped and murdered. Um, I had a dear cousin killed in car accident at age 26. Uh, I myself was attacked with two co-workers in downtown Minneapolis flag game, which I did survive and through the midst of all that. I was also going through a divorce. So uh, um, for a while, many turned their back on me and I didn't have a home church. Fifteen years ago, I went through divorce and was a single parent with four uh, very young children. And uh, a few years later, uh, I remarried. And, and it's just been a blessing, uh, a wonderful support of my wife, Joy, uh, has supported me uh, to get out of the factory with I in and back into education. And uh, even more so, uh, I went back for a Masters degree in education at Bethel. And I'm marching next Friday uh, in the ceremony in the whole nine yards. Praise uh, God.
2: My, my children have been a blessing they've been, they've always been uh, full of enthusiasm for everything he does. Uh, but his, his Christian walk uh, up to about a year and a half ago w- was kind of lukewarm. Um, and his sister has been a tremendous witness to him throughout. And he went to Army Reserve training, uh, basic and, and um, advanced training with hardly a break in between. So he had plenty of time to be away from home, be lonesome, to think about, reflect on what his values and beliefs are, and, and where his goals are. And he drew closer to God. He he started uh, a daily devotional and was uh, reading a book, uh, Letters from a Skeptic. Uh, I've heard of it. You heard of it? (laughs) Uh, It's just tremendous uh, time for him to turn closer to God. Uh, When he finished the Army Reserve, he went to college, and I I just I prayed that he would get involved, uh, not just in sports and and the dorm and and just campus life, uh, hectic studying and everything else, but also with something Christian and. He got involved with the kind of enthusiasm that he does everything else with, with uh, InterVarsity Fellowship. Uh, he gets up 5 a.m. He's been sharing with the email, just blazing the, the trail here. <laughs> um, 5 a.m. for a devotional. He's a study group uh, he's involved with. Uh, weekend retreats. Uh, it's, just, it's just tremendous. Ben is on fire for God. Um, he has a good mentor relationship with one of the leaders there. And he was just asking this leader and praying to God, how can I give my all? And he's even asking, well, should I be a preacher? Should I, you know, use my leadership abilities, my talents in this area? Whether or not he does, you know, it's all to God's glory that he is on fire for God. Uh, my daughter Karen has has been very enthusiastic about her love for God and Jesus and sharing her testimony and has continue to grow. Five years ago, she was about 11, and, and she started coming and greeting with me at the, at the door uh, back at Battle Creek and then at Harding, and then she got on the list on, on her own, at her own door, <laughs> and uh, about year two years this Christmas, uh, we gave her a guitar, and uh, little did we know what would blossom from that. Um, she started playing and putting so much energy and time and enthusiasm into it, she created uh, the lyrics and, and the words, the, the song, the song. And has just blossomed. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, she was on stage with the youth team, the, the hat backwards ponytail. That was my girl. <laughs> that was me back there shouting, yeah, that's my little girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to. Um, but she has continued to have such a passion for God and for sharing. It, it just will not be covered, it will not be hid. So I, I just praise
3: God. Praise God. God. Amen. Thanks.
0: And just a little inside information about Pat, uh, we, we used to uh, run ultra marathons together, he still does them, uh, I've since gotten sane, but uh, uh, there'd be these races of 100 miles or 100 kilometers and 50 miles and we used to train together and, and we'd go to Afton Park to run on Saturday mornings for six hours, do uh, you still do that? Uh, Once in a while, okay. Uh, He's a good runner, man. He he can still break three hours in the marathon. Anyways, um, we we share a lot. And, uh, you know, I I know kind of where the family was then and where it is now. And it really is uh, all to God's glory, the the things that God has done in your family's life. Praise God. Go ahead, Pete.
4: As I was sitting here this morning, I was thinking about a movie that I saw not too long ago. And I know Greg occasionally reveals movies that he's seen. But the movie is Dead Poet Society. Have any of you ever watched it? And uh, Robin Williams is a teacher in a literature class, and he wants his students to gain a different perspective about life and school and everything. So he has them all get up on his desk and look around and see how things are different. And I was just applying that to this situation. It's different standing up here than sitting in the back where I usually sit. But what I was going to say today, about six months ago, I made a decision to commit more money towards TIEs. And it wasn't an easy decision, and I didn't want to do it, but I kept, I felt like I was being prodded by God. And ever since I made that commitment six months ago, I've been blessed and blessed financially. And now I have more money than I've ever had before. And uh, also, I've been able to, you know, apply more money towards my debt. And actually, after paying on my bills, I have more money left over. So the Lord's just been blessing me and helping me to prosper. And then also, uh, the Lord. Um, surprises me occasionally. Last weekend I was balancing my checkbook and I noticed that I made an error and I've made errors in the past and usually they're little ones and usually not in my favor but the error that I made this time was I forgot to log mark down $270 that that was in my deposit column of my statement so $270 richer and it really helped me out and I praise God for that. Thank Thank God for errors. And one verse that has really inspired me is from Proverbs eleven twenty four, and it says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. So, may the Lord bless you as he's blessed me. Amen. There you go. You know, sometimes
0: God works in big ways, sometimes in little ways, uh, you know, and, and always in different ways. Uh, This is one that's really different. Uh, This is prescriptive, not descriptive, but I want to give it because uh, this person put on their heart to share. Uh, This is Pat. He's a really uh, interesting person in our congregation. Uh, And here's his testimony. He he felt led to donate $50 to the car club, which is a car ministry that we have here at the church. Um, That night, he uh, stopped by at a gas station to, as he says, pick up some smokes. Uh, He... He bought a lottery ticket. He doesn't normally do that, but he just felt led. And I don't know. He, he wanted to build a lottery ticket. I'm not going to say felt led, but he bought a lottery ticket. Hey, let God be God. Um, and he won $50, okay? Praise God. Now, that's just the beginning of the testimony because he shared this with a friend of his who chalked it up to luck. And Pat said, no way, this is not luck. And he gave him a chance to tell him about God and about Jesus Christ. And now they have an ongoing conversation about the Lord. So, let God be God. Praise him.
5: Hi, my name is Julie Springer. Uh, a little while back, my girlfriend asked me to go to Glamour Shots with her, and I said, no way, I'm not going over there. But she begged me like only yeah, girlfriends right. are allowed to <laughs> beg, and so I finally gave in. But all the way over there, I kind of complained to her the way only girlfriends are allowed to complain, too. I can't believe you talked me into this. This is awful. And we were going over there in rush hour traffic. It was the dinner hour, and we rushed and rushed and rushed to get there. And Once we got there, we had to sit there and wait and it was getting later and later, and finally we found out we were both going to have the same gal doing us, so it was going to be even longer. So I went ahead and let my girlfriend go first so I could run around in that cute little tank top longer for all the shoppers. And, <laughs> and, uh,
0: Thanks for sharing.
5: So then uh, it was my turn in the chair, and I, we, we did small talk and stuff, and finally she was almost done. She said, I'm so tired, I tell you, I can't wait to get out of here and get home. And I said, I I want to go home, too. I'm really looking forward to getting back in the the book I'm reading. And she says, oh, what book is that? And I was like, oh, uh, the Handbook of Spiritual Warfare. (laughs) So the whole room got really quiet. And she's like, oh, what's that about? So I started telling her about the kingdom of God. And and she asked me if I was born again. And she got finished up. And we were walking back toward the dressing room. And about halfway there, she turns around. She says, you know, I want to be born again, too. How do you do that?
4: Uh, Praise
3: God. So right
5: back in the dressing room amidst all the feather boas and sequins tops, we prayed the salvation prayer. God is
0: good. Amen. Uh, Sean was a young man who was constantly in trouble, Um, was getting horrible grades, wanted to drop out of school and felt he had no reason to live. Um, Several, uh, I guess two years ago now, his aunt invited him to church and she, uh, after one of the services, led him to the Lord and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He's now stationed down in New Mexico in the Air Force, uh, and he says he's running marathons, he's living for God, he's got a reason to live, and he never knew life could be uh, this great and his heart so full of love, and he wants to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for changing him. Amen.
6: I've got a different movie. How about Groundhog Day? This is our third service, Groundhog Day. It gets weird after three services. <laughs> over classes. and over, again, same time. Okay. I'm Mary Fontaine, and I've been going to Woodland Hills since uh, two weeks after it started. So when we were at Battle Creek, and it was a little teeny church of like a couple hundred people, and we just got to North Heights, which was huge. So here we are in this big church. Uh, oh, we're anyway, still little. Yeah, we're still little. Okay. Um, a few years ago, we were getting ready. I was getting ready to sell my townhome, and my my husband said, "No, I don't think we're ready to sell the townhome yet." And God said, "No, time isn't ready yet." And I was mad because we we're four people in this two-bedroom townhome, and my kids um, were about six months and and about three years at the time. And I just thought we were outgrowing this place. We need to move on. Well, we didn't. We didn't. Um, I just. I was mad that my husband said no and God said no, but then this last year um, in
3: 98,
6: on the 30th of June, oh wait, okay, God, God had told me no realtors, no signs. A, a year ago last spring I felt it was time to go ahead and, and uh, sell the home.
0: So well, Without any realtors or any signs?
6: Without any realtors or any signs. Okay. So on the 30th of June last year in
3: 98,
6: I was um, taking care of a friend's kids that were three and under, two of them, three and under, and then my two, three and under, and um, she was away golfing and she came back and, I mean, they had trashed my house and we had lunch and we walked over toys, literally walked over toys, was trashed, went to the park and on the way to the park we saw this, I saw this Lexus driving down the road looking at for sale signs in my neighborhood and I said to my friend, you will take the kids to the park and I'm going to catch up with this, with this car and see what they're, what they're all about. So I went over to this car, you know, what's going to happen. So I went over to this car, and it was an older couple, and they were saved, too. And they had been praying for a townhome. And uh, I, I asked them, you know, looking for a, a house. They said, yeah. And so they went over to my house, and they walked in. And they had had kids before, so she's like, oh, don't worry about the mess. <laughs> and um, so she looked at my fireplace marble, and she said, oh, that's going to go perfect with my furniture. And, and oh, you're stamping, and, you know, blah, blah. And her husband, all he cared about was how many cable boxes and could he add more because he was retired. And um, they bought my house. I called my husband at work and said, you know, Kevin, what do you think? And he said, great. So we, the the realtor was a family friend of theirs and um, ended up doing our paperwork for nothing. And we used him to find our house, which is another answer to prayer too. Um, I had prayed for a house with woods. And I really felt like we, the Lord wanted us to stay in Woodbury. And I didn't feel that affordable housing in my price range was in Woodbury with woods, and so I was looking in Centerville, Hugo, all over the place. And my husband and I were looking on the internet one night, and we found this house in Woodbury, backs up to a horse ranch. I don't own the woods, but I back up to them, and I have horses along my. That's paid
4: for, it. Yeah, yeah.
6: Yeah, so I'm reaping the benefits of someone else's. Yeah, um, and this house is exactly what we want. My my son, who's um, was four at the time had prayed for a playground in his backyard because we go walking to the to the park from our town home and he'd say oh I want a playground in my backyard too just like those people they've got a play, there's a play structure in the backyard it's just totally totally God thing so
7: praise God
3: <laughs>
0: invite the Lord in on the everyday affairs of life he cares about the sparrows Jesus said he cares about the hairs of your head he can uh, help you through the other details of life
8: as well. Sorry. My name is Shannon Palno, and this is a really hard story to do in just a couple minutes, but I'm going to give it my best shot. I went on my first diet when I was 16. I, had, I lost six pounds and received numerous compliments on how great I looked. As a girl with low self-esteem, this was something truly special for me to discover. I had finally found a way to do something well and be noticed for it. I continued to struggle with low self-esteem through high school and college. I had a really hard time making decisions because I wasn't equipped to make them. So shortly after I turned 20, I started to control the amount of food I ate. It was such an amazing feeling of control and self-satisfaction that I kept on going. I would challenge myself to see how little I could eat in a day. Soon, I was eating either 10 pretzels or a quarter cup of rice a day. I also began drinking Diet Pop, something I had never liked before. I choked it down, telling myself that if I couldn't finish that can of pop, I didn't deserve to eat. I started to lose weight, rather rapidly, of course. My mom noticed right away when I came home from college for a weekend. Although I hated her at the time, I now owe my life to her. My parents were very concerned and had me evaluated for an eating disorder. I quit school that same week and came home to begin treatment for anorexia nervosa. The first time I went through treatment, I did it not for myself, but for my parents. It was painful, and I eventually gained the weight I had lost back. The following winter, however, I relapsed and lost an even even greater amount of weight. Once again, I entered treatment, and it was even harder this time because I knew what was ahead of me. My pastor came to visit me during this visit to the hospital and asked me, where was God in my life? I didn't answer because I honestly didn't know. My mind was a jumbled, hazy mess. The thing about anorexia is that all of your energy, all of your mind, is focused on how to become thinner. There's no room left for anything else. When I was well enough to return to work, a co-worker remarked, Shannon, God made you just the way he wanted you. This again fell on deaf ears. My brain was still so diseased and unwilling to hear any truth if it involved me gaining weight or, losing, or eating a normal amount of food. My battle was still far from over. I still believed in Jesus, and I believed that I would go to heaven once I died. What I didn't know at the time was that he was what I needed to free myself from this disease. The very next winter, I once again entered treatment. I went in kind of for a refresher. I'd kind of, you know, learned everything twice. I'm not sure that this was very helpful, but it helped to ease my parents' and friends' minds. See, I was a people pleaser, and I couldn't stand to see people hurting. I continued my therapy sessions once a week with a therapist who knew about my faith. She challenged me to look at my disease seriously and to listen to my heart, for she knew the Lord was still alive in me, even when I didn't. At this point, I had a sort of pattern down. Get well enough to get people off my back, and then fall back into the habit slowly, and then get well again, and then fall back in, and, you know, it goes on forever. However, I didn't think that I had the power to change it. I still believed in God, but I didn't really believe he had a part in the healing needed to rid my body of this demon. The problem? I had lost a friend, Anorexia Nervosa, at age 18, At her memorial service, a letter was read that she had written asking God to heal her, but that if he couldn't, to please take her. Well, she was taken from us, so I believe that God didn't know how to heal people from this terrible disease, something that I am sure the devil created. I continued my therapy weekly for the next six months or so. I slowly started to turn it over to the Lord and asked him to help me. I started to listen to the voices around me and trust them. My co-worker's words were finally heard. God had made me exactly the way he wanted me. I started to believe that I was special, created in his image, and had so many blessings. I was given my life back. After Woodland Hills, about two years later. My friend and I had begun attending different churches to find somewhere where we thought we fit in. The first message I heard had me really excited. I really felt I could hear God's voice here. We continued to come week after week, And each time, God's voice became louder and louder. His message for me, share your story. So here I am, sharing my story, hoping to help anyone, someone, and to thank God for giving me life.
0: Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. There were two young women asking for you. I couldn't find you after the service. Uh, Can I talk to you after the service? Uh, I'll forget that if I don't think of it now. Um, Because there's a lot of people, a lot of young women who struggle with that uh, sort of thing. There's another testimony here by a woman who wanted to remain anonymous. But um, this is another thing that God has just given us a ministry in this area. A young woman who at 17 had an abortion and at age 25 still couldn't forgive herself for it and just was overwhelmed with guilt and uh, at this last year the Lord it just got through to her the message of forgiveness and the message of healing and uh, she now just wants to praise God that she's going on with her life learning from the past but not being uh, bolted and chained by the past and she attributes this freedom to Jesus Christ working in her life praise God <laughs> amen well oh, you want to stand oh
7: okay. <laughs> Hi, thanks for um, having us here today. My name is Lisa, and the uh, things that I'd like to share are that this morning I woke up sicker than a dog. So if I turn green, you won't know I'm wearing green anyway. So, but um, I'm fine, and uh, God's the victor. So, And um, I just want to say that you can experience peace and joy and love even when you're sick or when you're, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, or if you're, you know, you're waiting for uh, something, you can we can have joy and peace today, and God's really shared that with me. <clears throat> I started coming to Woodland Hills two years ago, and it is here where I did meet um, the Lord as my Savior. I've had a lot of faith my whole life, but I never knew about the saving part. So thank you for all of you that took me under your wings and helped me and um, got me involved in your covenant groups and. uh, Getting involved has really been awesome. Um, Part of the growing, I think the most important part of growing as a a Christian, um, whether you're a new Christian or an old Christian, is uh, spending the time with the Lord, yourself, um, with the Word and in prayer. But I also believe um, that it's been very helpful for me to just get involved in in anything that I can. Um, And not to mention the fact that if you do have issues or problems or sins, um, you can't carry those burdens alone. You really need the help of your fellow Christians to pray to God for those things. And God can and does do miracles. And uh, he's done many for me. Um, the other thing is that I think you, uh, I was shown that I need to be willing to give up anything and everything that might be in the way of my relationship with, with Jesus Christ and i've had a lot of you know things happen the last couple of years a lot of you know bad things if you want to call them bad but i believe that god does use all circumstances and what it came to uh, tell me was that <clears throat> the only thing we really need is jesus christ that's the only thing we need and my big thing was uh, i always thought that you know i wasn't going to be rounded if i didn't you know wasn't married and all that and <clears throat> I think that God sometimes will withhold that blessing, um, really get me going. So I go to the grocery store and uh, I'm shopping and I've been worried about finances this year because my income has been down a lot. And, um I go through the grocery store, and he happens to put the things on sale that I buy, and they're right in the smack in the center of the aisle. So, you know, I'm going through the store, and I'm saying, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And people are looking at me like, oh, let's move over. I don't know about this lady. It gives me more room to go fast through those aisles, because if any of you know me, I like to move fast, and I'm a runner, too. So, anyway. Also, the other thing is that I um, decided to start increasing my tithe this year, I decided to start to double it, and um, I had gone to the grocery store the next day and I bought my usually weekly one green pepper plus some other weird things like animal cookies and stuff like that. Anyway, so um, I got my green pepper, I went home the next day to slice into it and there were two green peppers in my bag. And I thought, no, I'm not losing it. I went through my receipt in the trash. Sure enough, one green pepper was purchased. So I decided to increase my money to God, and he's, gave, he's giving me and a double bunch. Double the peppers. Right. Hey, dinner with
0: wolves and fishes, why not hot peppers?
7: Right. Um, and then, basically, I decided to start sponsoring a child this year, um, and it's, what it, well, it's, $24 a month until she's 18, so I've got like 13 years to go on it, and I was, so, anyway, so I, I was kind of worried about, you know, my finances again, and I shouldn't be that way, but I sometimes get that way, and so um, I, I had opened my mail, and one of my uh, insurance bills had gone down exactly the, the same amount that, um, that my, the sponsor and the child, and I just, I was in my car at the time, I pulled over, and I just sobbed for several minutes, because, you know, the God that takes that much pleasure in, the, you know, just helping you with those little things, just think what, you know, other things he, he wants to do for us. And God's just really good. And another thing that um, that uh, about involvement is uh, I, I joined the Street Level Ministries, if any of you have seen that in the bulletin. And, uh, you know, that's another blessing because... Um, I try and go out and minister on Friday night, and usually Satan gets me sick like he did this morning, but I go anyway, and we just have a great time, and this weekend he doubled the ministers on the street, another organization came, and it's just great, I've been telling my friends the uh, idea of a really fun Friday or Saturday night would, would be to go out and tell people about Jesus, and they all looked at me like, you're crazy, but When Lon put that in the bulletin, I thought, this definitely is a prayer answer, because this is exactly what I want to do on a Friday night. So, thank you. Look what the Lord has done.
0: Praise God. He works in mysterious ways. What I can't figure out is how doubling hot peppers would be a blessing, but, you know, everyone has their own taste, so (laughs) praise God. Bob?
9: Usually I'm up here telling you about our building project and what it's going to cost. Bob heads up our
0: building program.
9: But I'm not going to do that today. Um, The people you've heard before have really told you a lot about how God's been working in their life. And what I want to tell you about is somebody who has kept God out of his life for about 30 years, and that's me. And uh, Let me start with the beginning here and tell you a little bit about my story. Um, I grew up in the Twin Cities here in a Christian home. Accepted Christ when I was in oh, fifth or sixth grade. I don't remember exactly when, and uh, you know, went through high school and whatnot, uh, feeling like I was a pretty uh, strong Christian. Uh, the church we grew up in uh, was a real conservative Baptist church. It was pretty legalistic and judgmental, and it it wasn't the kind of place where you could ask the question, uh, you know, is there a God? It just wasn't that kind of a place. And uh, well, anyways, I left high school and got into college, and you can imagine what happened there. That uh, really started asking myself a lot of questions about what I believed and why I believed it and I didn't have any basis for it. There was no, uh, I had no rational basis for my faith and uh, within the course of about two years, I had pretty much written Christianity and God off and, and became an agnostic. and uh, I made a decision at that time that I really wanted to find out what the truth was and you know if, if the truth was that there wasn't a God, um, I wasn't going to invent one just to feel good. Uh, if there was a God, I did want to know him and I wanted to worship him. But that was a commitment I kind of made to myself. And the other commitment I made because of my bad feelings about my church was to never set foot in the Baptist church again.
0: Who <laughs> so. can blame you? <laughs>
9: <laughs> Anyways, I got married and probably the next 15 years, uh, I didn't go to church at all. I just... Uh, I couldn't see any value in it. Uh, the churches I'd gone to, you couldn't ask the kind of questions that I needed to ask. And um, when I was about 35, my wife finally talked me into to going to church. And we got involved with a church where you could start asking those kind of questions. And it really was a great experience for me to do that. And I really started uh, reading more about uh, theology and philosophy and, and really trying to find a rational basis for the Christian faith. And that really went on for a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical by nature. In fact, most of you have probably read uh, letters from a skeptic. Uh, man, I'm just like Ed Boyd. I mean, uh, I could have written that book to Greg just like his dad, uh, the letters there. Um, anyways, uh, the next part of the story is uh, my son Jason uh, enrolled at Bethel College about three years ago and started coming here and told uh, mom and dad once, hey, you got to come over to this church. Um, you know, you re- I think you really like it, but I know you'll love the music. And they got this pastor, this Greg Boyd. He's really different. I know you'll like him. (laughs) And uh, so the first question I asked him, I said, Jason, what kind of a church is this? And uh, he says, geez, Dad, I don't know. I think it's non-denominational. And uh, it's not Baptist, is it? And...
3: uh, (laughs)